Good morning. When I moved to Texas, I expected to be warm and relatively dry in the wintertime. But all of a sudden, I'm in Portland or Seattle or some such place. It's amazing, isn't it? But thank God you're here. We're on the church of Thi at Thyatira, which is kind of an interesting place, isn't it? And lots of comment commentators have enjoyed talking about this church. Uh, but let's read it. It's 1029 in your books if you use the, the ones that we have here. We begin uh, chapter 2, verse 18. And to the angel of the church of in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceeded the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the mind and the heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. To you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. To the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And I will rule them, and he, rather, will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, some of this is pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? But I want to start with an illustration because following the examples and the, and the patterns set by Drew and by Jake, I want to make this more applicable. I want to be able to apply this passage more to the life that we're living day by day. I want to start by 
reminding some of you and perhaps informing some of you about uh, the history of a time of revival in, our, in, the, in the church here in the U.S. Uh, some of you have heard of, of a group of churches called Calvary Chapel, haven't you? Yes, has everybody heard of Calvary Chapel? Uh, the, the original church was started by a man called Chuck Smith. And uh, I remember in those days uh, when he was just beginning to, to be known abroad in the world of, of uh, Bible-believing Christians, uh, he, he was considered a radical because he had a small church in a place called Costa Mesa, California, Orange, Orange County, out, uh, south of L.A., and uh, there were there was a uh, there was a a beginning of uh, a movement which he and others in his church and in churches in that area were involved in, uh, which was reaching into a youth culture, and these were kids who were uh, I'm sure they smoked dope. I'm sure they weren't moral in the way that we look at uh, morality in, in many areas, but particularly about relationships and sexuality. Uh, there were many who, who kind of lived in, a, in a, uh, a limbo world on the beaches. They surfed. They were skateboarders. They were, they were buskers who played guitars uh, uh, on, the, uh, on the beach and, and hoped that they would get a little money. It was this kind of people that he and his uh, congregation felt called to serve. They sent out groups playing music. And this, you have to remember, this was in the late 60s, early 70s that this was going on. There was no such thing as contemporary Christian music. The kind of stuff that we live and breathe and sing every Sunday and listen to the radio. There, were, there wasn't any uh, iHeart radio. There wasn't anything that was reaching out with that kind of cultural message that included a call to believe. These guys created something called Maranatha Music. And they started playing on the beach. They started playing in these weird places outside of clubs or uh, uh, outdoor venues, wherever they could, and people started coming to faith. These young, we called them hippies back then. <laughs> and that meant a whole lot of things, particularly if you were using that word in Orange County, California in uh, 1971, let's say. And Chuck Smith looked at the way in which the evangelical church tried to draw people in. And I need my slide. Do I have a slide? Number one. And he said, he saw that generally speaking, now we're not talking about how we do Sunday school and all of that, but generally speaking, if people were, were let's say, 15 or older, that what, what we tried to do was first to introduce them to faith in some way. 
We, we, we call them out and we said, believe this, believe about Jesus, believe that God is good and that he's our heavenly father. Believe all the things that we do believe. And thinking of young people, we tried to get them into a youth group or a, a, let's say a, a young adults group perhaps, or, or just to disciple them individually and we taught them how to behave. All right, so that often meant giving up things, but it also meant incorporating ways and attitudes and things into our lives. And then if, as, they, as they grew and dis, were discipled, we said, come and belong. We had a service and an altar call, and we asked people to stand up and confess their faith. And, and, the, and, and the elders of the church would say, yeah, they're good people. We love them. We want you to belong with us. And you know what Chuck Smith said? He turned that all upside down. He said, because they were these young people who were what we call today seekers, but they hadn't quite yet believed. They, they began to believe that they could believe is probably what, what, if, what if we really could analyze the thoughts of many of them. And they believed because they liked the music and they believed because the people who pl were playing the guitars and, and, and uh, uh, bringing the music uh, would hang out and were loving and caring and were, were greeting them and, and in, in cor uh, trying to bring them in. And what, what Chuck did, at least as we observed it, and I think he even talked about it at the time, is he gave people a place to belong, these seekers, who weren't quite with us yet. And, and, and in that place to belong... That he began, he, he, he trained his people, and through his Sunday worship and through small groups, the kind of things that we call missional communities or life groups, they began to bring people together and to teach them, to teach them the faith. And, and they came to faith, and, and they began to grow, and they began to... It's, it's the process that probably most of us came in on. That someone drew us in through relationship and we had a sense of belonging. And then we began to believe and then we learned more in our believing. And finally, we got to a place where I guess I am a Christian, we would say to ourselves. I, I'm not quite who I was. In fact, as I look at it, I'm not who I was at all, that God's been doing something in me. And of course, what we come to know now as the Christian life is just that. God first accepted us. He showed us that acceptance through people who were believers, who loved us. We came to believe in Him in large part because we began by believing that those people were real who were loving us and caring for us. But then we began to believe in a Savior, and we began to believe in a loving Father. And glory, we saw God at work in our lives, and we said, oh, yes, we learned that that was the Holy Spirit.
and step by step, and we're still on the journey, aren't we? We're learning how to behave. We're learning how to follow Jesus. All right, that was a long introduction, but I wanted to get that straight because I think if we look at the church in Thyatira, if we look at it, and let's, let's go to the first slide that we have. Um, I'm sorry, it's slide number three. <laughs> As Jesus is looking at this community, he says, I know your works, your love and faith. Of course, it was a principally and initially about love that, that, he, that those people loved him, that they loved the God who, who loved them, that they loved Jesus the Savior. Uh, that was their faith, that they trusted him. All right? Let's go back to 19. I'm not done with it yet. <laughs> that they served God and others. They, they, they understood that love had to, de had to be demonstrated by service. We know this in relationships all the time, don't we? Don't tell me you love me. Do things that indicate your love. And that works with God, and that works with us. Uh, I don't, I don't need to illustrate that anymore. We have lots of experience in this room about learning to love. And even through our disappointments, we learned, or even through our failures in relationships, we learned that love, trust, and service, and sometimes patient endurance is what sustains us. But particularly for these people who were growing up as Christians, I mean that not, not in terms of their age, but in terms of their spiritual maturity, they were coming to faith out of paganism, many of them. They were growing up in their faith in a situation where technically it was illegal to believe as they believed and to practice as they practiced. They lived underground, if you will. And where they might be exposed, sometimes by pagan authorities who said, these people don't properly honor Caesar, who they thought was divine, or they, they, it was part of the kind of religious political thing that they were doing, they, that, that he was among the gods. Or perhaps because many of them had been connected, or some of them at least, had been connected with the Jewish community, the Jews didn't, didn't like them either. The Jews, because they were heretics in the eyes of the Jewish community, the Jewish community had a special license to practice. They were literally, in, in, in Roman terms, they were religio licta. They were a licensed faith one of the few in the Roman Empire. So they could go complain to the pagan governor and say, these guys are, are wrong and they're not part of us even though they may claim to be. So there were people that not, not only suffered but died. 
They were people who were driven out of town. They were people who were driven underground. And so it was important that they had patient endurance. And it was important that they didn't get tired and give up, that your latter works exceed your first. Now remember of the churches that we've already heard about, uh, some one was 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 uh, uh, was was criticized, let's say, by the Lord, because uh, they'd lost their first love. There were others that were criticized because they didn't continue to do the work that He had called them to do in their setting, because they didn't have patient endurance, because they got tired. Their works didn't exceed. Part of what I'm trying to say here is that we tend, when we, when we just sort of read through the Bible, we tend to see these people in a more negative light because of the business about Jezebel, the false prophet, I'm sorry, prophetess who sometimes, who's called Jezebel here. But these were good folks. They had worked hard. They had continued to love one another and to love their God and to honor their Savior. But he says, I have this thing against you. All right, we, we kind of know the story, those of us who've, who've read it. Uh, but let's put it up here. Let's put, let's put 20 up there. But I have this against you that you tolerate, and that's the, that's the key word. You know, if I, had the, if I had some way of doing it, I would underline that you tolerate. It's not that you necessarily believe what she believes, but you allow her to kind of move around the, 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 uh, the fringe of the community. Okay. Now I want to go back to Chuck Smith. When you take that radical move and you say, let's give you a place to belong even before you believe, and let's bring you into fellowship even before maybe everything isn't quite right in your life. Because the radical thing that Chuck Smith did in those days is there were couples that came to this church and uh, not only were they living together, but, but they probably didn't even know their own proper names, you know. She was Morning Flower, and he was, I don't know, Mr. Amazing or something. I don't know. That's what they did in those days when they lived out there on the beach and doing all that stuff. Okay. <clears throat> and they, uh, they, they, there was a certain kind, a level of tolerance and that was the way that they were trying to show God's mercy in, in that setting. And what I think was going on in Thyatira was they were showing that kind of mercy, but they, they were, there was a limit. There was a line that Jesus said, Don't, you, you can't let people cross that line. Or there was a, there was a time limit on the believing and discipling process. And this woman, whoever she was, 
I don't think her name was Jezebel because that's a Phoenician name and it, it's from an Old Testament reference. Just like when, uh, uh, when Jake talked about Balaam and Balak and all of that. It's a reference. It's a person who was a pagan and an idolater, but who tried to, who, who tried to and indeed succeeded both in the Old Te Testament reference. Jezebel, I don't know if you remember, was the, the wife of King Ahab of Israel. And what she did was she brought her gods, who were Baal, Baal, as, as they were called, and, and Ashtoreth into the culture of Israel. They built a temple in Israel, in the northern kingdom of Israel, to Baal. And they put up these Asherah poles, they were called, wooden carving kind of statues up on the hill places for the fertility goddess. All right? So, so... This woman, whoever she is, came in, probably had a, 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 a I'm sorry, a, a, an idolatrous uh, background. She was a pagan, and but she seemed to believe. I'm guess we're guessing. She seemed to 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 be willing to embrace Christianity, but she apparently she caught she had the notion that somehow she had a new inspiration. She probably said it was from God, the Holy Spirit, and it was, hey guys, we don't have to be that separate from this pagan culture, this Roman culture. You know, if you go, if, 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 if you have associates, uh, people who, with whom you do business, or if you're in some kind of a, a, a guild, they had these, these, they were like clubs, guilds, that if you were a, a baker, you would be in the baker's guild. And, and they have some kind of a ritual where they offer prayers to a pagan god or goddess don't worry about it. If they bring, if they have a feast and they bring uh, meat that they say was given as an offering to Astarte. Again, some a goddess of the heavens. Don't worry about it. And what, what the church had learned in its, in its experience is that when idolatry and pay, that kind of uh, embracing foreign gods and goddesses begins, what happens is it goes into, that false belief goes into bad behavior. That's the point I'm trying to make here. So that, so that when they, this, this, this prophetess is called Jezebel because it's a reference back to Old Testament things and to idolatry and to the way in which uh, both it's both in the terms of the prophetic uh, culture of the Old Testament that, that uh, often false t doctrine, false belief is called spiritual idolatry, uh, I'm sorry, adultery. Idolatry and adultery really are, are one. Okay, even if, and, and in ancient times, there, each of these gods and goddesses had, um, in some, well, not everyone, but some had uh, 
prostitutes. They were called cult prostitutes. And so if you wanted, um, uh, if you wanted the fertility goddess uh, to make your crops grow, you went and gave an offering, I guess is what you'd call it, <laughs> and had a sexual encounter with the, the cult prostitute. That's why they would do this kind of stuff. I, I know that's more than we need to talk about today. All right. So, let's let's put uh, uh, the that that slide up there. Yeah. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. So that's the scene. It's what we call syncretism. That this person who, who had some per persuasive ability, who, who somehow was touching the lives of some of the people in the community and leading them astray and saying, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay to do this, it's okay to do that. There, among the people, uh, there's, a, there's a reference there to something, he calls something like the deep things of Satan. Well, uh, well, among those, those, those practices that were syncretistic, a blend of, of paganism and a blend of, of what seemed like Christianity, there was something called Gnosticism. It's, it's a general rule. But among those things in, in the Gnostic way of thinking was a division between the spirit person and the flesh person, the body and the and the sort of higher self. And so there was this sense that, okay, if I'm a real spirit person, if, I'm, if my head is way up here somewhere, it doesn't really matter what I do down here. You see how, the, how that gets really weird? All right. So what Jesus is saying to the church is, love people, show mercy but teach them how to live the way that I have showed you to live. Fo teach them how to follow me. But not only that, but, to, but, but to, show, to do it in a way that reflects my character and my example. Uh, I, was, I, I sent Tiff a, a, a note before, before this Sunday to kind of help her figure out where where, where my head is. And, and I said, the, the word came to me that the, the Jesus that, that we see in this letter is a Jesus who is fierce in his mercy, but he's also fierce in his justice. There's no question about what's right and what's wrong to him. And if you look at the pictures there in the text, where he, uh, the introduction, for instance, who is he? He's a guy with fire in his eyes, and he's got feet made of bronze. What does that tell us about him? That he's the boss. That there's no question that he is the, he holds all of the marbles when it comes to authority, when it comes to righteousness, when it comes to justice. 
But he also is the God who lovingly says, and I think I've got another slide up here, the next one. He lovingly says, but to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some, of the, some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, do, I don't lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. What is that? What's, what's the... The word, what's the affect? What's the feeling? What's the sense of who this person is? He has eyes of fire, feet of bronze, and yet he has a heart that is overflowing with love. He says, look, guys, get straight with me. Continue walking the path that you've been walking, following me, and things will be okay. So, what does that say to us? Oh, I have notes here. I better, better go look at them. <laughs> I think he's saying to us, continue to welcome the seeker. Embrace people with the love of Christ and let them find their way to faith. And as they find their way to faith, let them find their way to following Jesus in the way that is right. Let there be a kind of mercy there, but be sure that you have a boundary and you say, or a time to say, hey, it's time to grow up and to become a follower of Jesus. And if people get off on a track, uh, however, what, however that happens, Lord, we, because, <laughs> I, used to I used to think, man, there are so many things coming at us from the TV, but now it's, you know, the TV's in our pocket, and the multiplicity of things that are coming at us are so varied and so strange sometimes. No wonder sometimes that we, we, we say, okay, well, I don't want to be a Christian, but I, this is a really cool idea over here. You see what I'm getting at here? I think at the same time that we, we embrace the seeker and we embrace brothers and sisters with godly love, uh, uh, Drew and... and, and and Jake have talked well about, about how we discipline one another, how we hold one another accountable. Uh, if you haven't uh, gone there, go to the blog and listen to their little dialogue about these things. It's very, very good. But at the same time, if we're going to follow Jesus, and, and the example that comes to mind is the example of how he dealt with the woman who was caught acting in an adulterous way. So he says, you know, he protects her from the hypocrites who are trying to kill her, right? But then he says, neither do I condemn you. And what's the next line? Go and sin no more. Uh, an even better example, perhaps, that relates back to the Jezebel image and, and the people of Thyatira 
is, would be the image of Simon, the magician in the book of Acts, and how he comes to faith. He's, he's received into the community, but then something happens. His insides aren't right, literally. Peter says to him, uh, <coughs> I'm sorry, that his heart isn't right before God and that he has within him the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. That's pretty harsh. But what happens is he tries to buy God's anointing. Can't do that. So the elders say, can't do that. And if you don't repent, it's going to be worse for you. Okay. That's a hard, hard balance. To follow Jesus and in following him, to be fierce in our compassion and mercy, and at the same time, fierce in our understanding of God's ways, His justice, His righteousness, and holding one another accountable to those things. And I want to close with a story. I, I was doing mission, uh, short-term mission work in Jamaica many years ago, and uh, I was guest preacher in a in a, a local church. It's a, it a neat church, a loving church. Uh, I knew the pastor and his family very well because they had done ministry in our church in in Florida and in the states. And uh, I walked in on Sunday morning, and there was this very well dressed, nice young man. And he was sitting in the back of the church, not just in the back row, but it was like there was a row of chairs that would have been back behind where the soundboard is. All alone. And some people would kind of greet him as they came in the door and kind of nod to him, and he would sort of nod. But he, clearly he was dealing with some shame in his life. And I said to the pastor as we... Is we, his name is Noel. I said, Noel, who is this young man and why is he sitting back there? Actually, I, I waited until after the service to ask because I noticed that he didn't come forward for Holy Communion. And he said, well, he, uh, he made a mistake. He was inappropriate with one of the young women in our community. He really messed up, apparently. Noel didn't go into the details. But he came to, well, the elders came to him, and they called him on what he had done. And he said, and somehow in the interaction, they agreed, he said, and they said, he said, I want to be restored. He, he repented of what he did, but I want to be restored, and they said, restoration is what we want too. But you need to take a time out. And what we want you to do is come to church, hear the gospel. But come to church as one who's not fully incorporated, who doesn't fully belong, who's not, who, who's not completely in fellowship because you've broken fellowship with us. And I don't know how long that young man had to stay in the back of the church and not 
participate. But I know, because I know the loving way that those people dealt with him, that eventually he was invited back in. But he had to repent, and he had to show his determination to be restored to that community. That's the kind of fierce mercy and fierce justice that Jesus puts before us. Can we follow him in it? Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We thank you for your word. We pray that we'll be deeply moved by it, that we'll be directed through it. And now, Lord, as we come to the table, we pray your blessing not only upon these gifts, but upon ourselves. We thank you that you are the God who has created everything. You are the God who has called out from you, uh, the human race of people to follow you, to love you, and to serve you. We thank you that in the fullness of time, you sent your son, Jesus. You sent him not only as the anointed one, but you sent him as the son of God, as the word made flesh. We thank you for his teaching. We thank you for his example. We thank you for the healings and the miracles that you have done through him. 